What is up? Welcome back to the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my two co-hosts, John Kegley and David Drogmeyer, three writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog who started covering the Chargers three years ago and made our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live. And this is our first season with the Locked On Chargers podcast, your team every day. I think we have a little bit of a different kind of a podcast here. Not your typical boring sports show. We like to have a little bit of fun around here, whether it's making fun of Kyle Emanuel or hating Griff Whalen. That's just what we do, just to give you a little bit about us. It's going to be a little bit of a different show if you're new to us. But we have a good show to talk about today. There is some news, a couple awards that have been given out by the press, and then we're going to get into some game matchups. We're going to go Chargers defense versus the Oakland offense and vice versa, Chargers offense versus the Oakland defense. So let's get into it. The Chargers made a couple of signings this week to their practice squad. Obviously, we've already told you that Michael Badgley has been signed to the team's active roster, and Caleb Sturgis, of course, gets cut. I can't say that enough, you guys. But the Chargers did pick up a couple of new players this week for their practice squad to take the place of Michael Badgley and another slot they had open. That's Anthony Lanier, defensive end, and linebacker Kyle Wilson. Lanier's kind of a hybrid, I would say, six foot six, 285-pound edge rusher who initially signed as an undrafted free agent with Washington Redskins in 2016. In 2017, he appeared in 11 games with the Redskins, two starts, totaling 14 tackles, five sacks, and six passes defense and one forced fumble. Wilson is a six-foot, 231-pound product out of Arkansas State who signed with Philadelphia Eagles as an undrafted free agent this offseason, and he appeared in all four preseason games with one start, totaling four tackles along the way, so not much experience there. David, do you think there's any real notes on these guys or just a couple of uh, warm bodies, do you think? Well, I mean, I think uh, it's kind of exciting to see, uh, you know, five sacks from Anthony Lanier. I mean, that's production that the Chargers uh, have to continue to uh, find ways to address. You know, they're, they're, they're doing decently in sacks. I believe they're tied for 11th in the league at the moment. But, you know, you can never get enough pass rush. So to get a guy in there that has, I mean, a, a little track record of being able to get to the quarterback that is – uh, always good to have more depth of. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that there, there might be something there if somebody gets hurt. But like I said, in this league, I mean, you can never get enough pass records. So, uh, I mean, I think that's, you know, a pretty decent sign. Yeah, and I think five sacks is pretty much, I mean, those are pretty similar numbers to what we've seen out of guys like a Chris Landrum, his first year, or Chris McCain going back to last season. And really, as that third guy off the bench in the rotation, obviously, Isaac Rochelle and Damian Square are kind of filling that role right now. But I think it's not bad to have that depth there. Obviously, we saw Darius Phylon almost go down with a a scary-looking injury where he got carted off the field and then comes back into the game a few snaps later. So it's always good to have that depth with all the injury concerns. Now I'm going to move into one thing that was really exciting for me to see, and that was ESPN did its mid-season rankings of the rookies, and they had Derwin James number one. Now that every team has played eight weeks, they did their halfway through the season 
rankings and Derwin James number one John and all rookies I mean making a strong case for that defensive rookie of the year that we've been thinking he might be able to get to the fact that ESPN is saying this is amazing as well because ESPN usually likes to favor east coast type stuff and for someone on the west coast to be getting a lot of love for the defensive rookie of the year or even just the number one ranked rookie is amazing stuff for Derwin James because you're getting noticed all over the nation now yeah he is getting all sorts of notice i mean he deserved it obviously he had 11 tackles last week just been playing out of his mind and just well beyond his years i would say david i mean there's not too many adjectives more you can say about derwin james versatile pass rusher fast good you know sure-handed tackling great instincts i mean what more can you really say I just love to call Derwin James the Swiss Army Knife Man because he can just do everything. I mean, you already mentioned it, you know, the pass rushing ability. That I mean, just nasty pass rushing ability from a safety who's got great, you know, swim moves, some good wiggle, good, like, really good power for a safety. It's, it's really amazing to see. I mean, if he was just used exclusively as a pass rusher, I mean, who knows what this guy could, would be able to do. He's just got rare athletic ability. He's great, uh, you know, in pass coverage. He's a sure tackler. I mean, he's willing to get in there and smack you. Uh, I mean, he's just a, a – man, he's just a really exciting young player. And we just got to remember, guys, he's just a rookie. So we get to see the maturation of this guy's career. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy. And who knows – what this guy's going to be able to accomplish in his career. Yeah, and speaking of, I mean, a draft steal and a guy who, I mean, the sky is the limit for his career. It's time to talk about your newest AFC defensive member of the week, defensive player of the week, and that goes to Desmond King, who obviously had the, who had the pick six this week, has been playing great, has ranked as the number one corner on pro football focus grading. And, I mean, finally getting some of that national recognition. I know most people probably don't know who Desmond King is, John, but I think at the end of this season, there's a good chance that they will. Oh, the whole world is going to know who Desmond King is at the end of this season, especially after what he did against the Seahawks. From my view, I got a view of the whole field really well, and I could see everybody's coverage. And I swear, it was like Desmond King was a magnet, dude. One receiver goes one way, and Desmond King is, like, right next to him. It's like as if he knew what was going to come his way. And the fact that he dropped an interception earlier and was able to make up for it with a pick six, his second of his career, shows that this guy is always hungry for that ball. And if he messes up, he's willing to come back and make an even better statement than what he would have if he had just made a simple play. Yeah, and I and no John on that one. I mean, he really jumped it. There was a guy running through his coverage. He had underneath coverage, but there was another defender that looked to be closer to the receiver than him. And he just said, "You know what? I'm going to go make a play," and kind of broke out of his coverage and just seemed to be moving at a different speed than everyone else. It just seems like the game is slowing down for him, and he keeps finding a way to be in the right spot. David. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Desmond King's been playing out of his mind this year. Something you kind of had a, you know, a premonition of before the season started and it's, you know, unfurling in front of our eyes. It's really awesome to see the instincts that he has. You know, he's just 
He's a great sure tackler. If he hits you, you're going to the ground. He's very willing in run support. And he just shows those ball hawking instincts as a corner. Uh, you know, he just gets, and I think that comes from good, you know, just hard work and, and uh, video, uh, you know, just really watching the tape. Uh, he just, uh, he's just an instinctive football player. You know, when, when that play that you were describing of the interception, uh, I mean, he saw it super, super early and he just broke. And I mean, I think immediately as he broke, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a pick six. And, you know, that's, uh, that's just uh, coming from a, a guy who's just a natural born football player. You've heard Anthony Lynn say it a bunch of times. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. He, he's a, a, a dog uh, and a dog you want to have on your team. He's got great skills. And like you said, the whole uh, football world is going to know who Desmond King is uh, by the end of the year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on Desmond King. And just what a steal. I mean, fifth round pick. We've talked about it before. And just Coupon God. Yeah. Tom Telesco props you again for filling this team with talent that really is loaded offensively and defensively, especially at the skill positions, receivers, cornerbacks, running back, safety. I mean, they have a Pro Bowl talent at every level. I mean, you could really say they have a Pro Bowl caliber player at every position. If you have the offensive line, you know, you have Mike Pouncey playing super well, Keenan Allen's Pro Bowl level, Melvin Gordon, Phillip Rivers, Derwin James, Desmond King, Melvin Ingram. I mean, it could have is a few sacks away from being in the conversation. So it uh, really loaded on both sides. And I can't wait to see what this team does as it continues to come together and really build that team chemistry that we've seen over these past five weeks. But it's time to go ahead and get into the next segment. We're going to be talking about how this Chargers defense matches up with the Oakland offense in the next segment. But first, I need to talk to you guys about your bedroom game. You know, the Chargers have been living up to the hype this season, but is your bedroom game living up to the hype? BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. You can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits. No waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Nobody really likes to talk about it. This is your way around it, and they're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy, too. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code Locked On. All you have to do is pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E. Chew.com promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. All right, guys, now it's time to get into the matchups for this weekend's game against the Raiders. I know no one's really taking this game very seriously, understandably so. The Raiders have been an absolute free fall, but Hey, teams like this win, you know, three or four games every season. You just have to make sure that you're not the one to give it to them. The Chargers obviously are playing lights out right now, but there are some guys on this Raiders offense that can give you a little bit of trouble. Probably not enough trouble to actually win the game, 
But there are a couple guys I want to talk to you guys about. The first one is Jared Cook. He's been probably arguably their best player on offense this season. Derek Carr has been okay, but not anywhere near the level they were expecting from him. And the receiving core without Amari Cooper. Now, it just really doesn't seem to have that bite that it did. It seems like a lot of kind of mismatched toys. John, what on the Raiders' offense are you looking at to be impactful in this game, or what do you want the Chargers to really focus in on? I want them to focus in on the Raiders' running backs. And the reason for this is because without Marshawn Lynch, now they have Doug Martin, who is still a pretty uh, dangerous running back. Not what he used to be, but he's still pretty dangerous. And then their third-string guy, DeAndre Washington, is the type of guy they would use in a screen pass. And if he gets going, we're going to have a hard time tackling him, just knowing what the Chargers do to people in open space. And if you can control the running backs, I think you can control everything else without any problem because their receivers are going to be Martavius Bryant and Jordy Nelson with Seth Roberts. So I'm not really worried about wide receivers because I think we can handle them. But if you can't handle the running backs, you're not going to be able to cover anybody. Yeah, and that's really what I have my mind on, too. I'm not super worried. I know Martavis Bryant can beat you deep on any given play, but has shown time and time again that he's not a guy that can really be consistent enough in the offense to really scare you in any way. I mean, he did have the one pretty long catch against the Chargers over the middle where he caught it and ran a good amount, but he's not a guy I'm necessarily keying in on. I like what you're talking about, John, especially because that's not a huge strength right now at least of the Chargers linebackers, because Zier White would have been the most equipped to really take that task on. And yeah, you mentioned uh, Washington, but also Jalen Rashard too, especially since Marshawn Lynch went down. He's been a, a big factor in the passing game. Doesn't get a lot of carries, has over an 80 grade on pro football focus in the receiving department. So he's definitely a threat out of the backfield. And that's what the Raiders are going to try to do is, yeah, Doug Martin, I mean, really, he can give you a couple good games a season. You don't want this to be that game. But he's still capable enough of, you know, chewing up four yards, especially against a Chargers defense that's given up over 300 yards on the ground the last two games between the Seahawks and the Titans. So I, I think that's huge right there. David, what do you think about that? And are there any other concerns for you from this Raiders offense? I mean, not really, honestly. I mean, they're big playmakers that tied in Jerry Cook. So, I mean, the Chargers did a great job of bottling him up and really kind of, you know, making him a non-factor in the last game. So if they can do that again in this game and just kind of constrict on Derek Carr, Derek Carr has already shown this season that he's going to make some mistakes on his own. You just got to capitalize on those. And the Chargers did last time. I think it's going to happen again. He's thrown at a high percentage this year. I think he's around 70% on this completion percentage, but, you know, you look at his touchdown to uh, interception ratio and it's about as ugly as it gets. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, you know, I like, you know, keying on the running backs because anytime, you know, you got playmakers, you know, on the other side, you, you, you know, you want to, you know, try, try to take that away. But uh, this, this Raiders offense really just doesn't bother me or really scare me very much, honestly. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's going to be a huge impact on this game is the pressure that you're putting on Derek Carr. Their Mm -hmm. offensive line is not good. (laughs) Uh, I'm saying that nicely. Their their center is actually pretty good. 
Rodney yeah. Hudson is a good center. He ranks out as an 80.5 on pro football focus, but that's pretty much it, guys. And then you're looking at Gabe Jackson, 63.9. Kalechi Osemele, who we heard your boy Q talking about, you know, cheesing on the sideline. He's at a 55 so far this year. And then there are two tackles that they use now, Colton Miller and Brandon Parker. Colton Miller, I mean, has been thought of as a success, I've heard, and he's at a 54.7. While Brandon Parker, the guy they put in in place of Donald Penn, is at a 44.8. Oof. That's, yeah, that's that's not good, John. Yeah, the loss of Donald Penn, Marshawn Lynch, and even Amari Cooper have really made this offense not exactly that dangerous offense that you come to face that you have to be ready for. It's now become if you just have your responsibilities taken care of, you'll march right over them, and all you have to make sure you do is not turn the ball over and keep them in the game, or else they gain confidence. And we saw what the Chargers defense did to Russell Wilson last week. He had a couple late drives against some pretty soft coverage, but he never looked comfortable in that game. And I think that is a a big testament to what the Chargers have been able to do and Joey Bosa's absence as far as kind of manufacturing pass rush. They don't have a, a ton of guys on that defensive line that are playing exceptionally well outside of uh, Melvin Ingram, but they have a few guys that have been chipping in just enough and doing the right blitz packages. You saw Jaleel Adai get a sack last week early in the game. Derek Carr is mentally frail. I think we have seen that this year. He has a tendency to kind of clam up, I would say, and, and shut down. I mean, you lost 34-3 to against the 49ers. I, I mean, that's just – I don't. you almost don't even need to, to analyze it at that point. You know, 34-3 to against the Niners. And a first-time quarterback, when he was outplayed that badly by a, a you know a quarterback in his first start, I think says all you need to know. But we need to flip it over to the other side of the ball and get into what this Chargers dynamic offense is going to do against this Raiders really struggling defense coming up next. All right, it's time to get into the final segment of the day where we're going to be breaking down the matchups from the Chargers offense and the Raiders defense. So, guys, I think the Chargers offense has one big glaring thing they didn't do well against the Raiders in their first matchup, and that is run the football. So I'll go ahead and start with you, David. What do you think that they're going to do in this go-around to kind of free up these running backs and have them have a strong game in the running game? I think, honestly... And this might sound really homerish, but I think the Chargers offense is going to really do whatever they want on Sunday. And I know, I know that, that that kind of sounds extreme, but I think that they're going to be able to run the run the ball and pass the ball whenever and however they want, because this is a down, dejected Raiders team. They have no confidence. They are not moving the ball. They just got embarrassed in front of the entire world. And I think they know that they're playing for next year and they're playing for the draft. So I think that the Chargers are going to move up and down the field doing it however they want. I think that that probably will end up being the case, but I don't necessarily think that it's going to be just running it you know, in between the tackles. I, I still think that's something you want to stay away from in this game because, I mean, the Chargers offense has a tendency to stall out, so you can't afford – to have the the second and 12s 
the third and elevens. Mm-hmm. You know, you their their strength of their defense. I mean, if there is a strength to their defense, <laughs> it's <laughs> the interior defensive linemen. And this one actually hurts me a little bit, guys. Oh, yeah. Mo, Mo Hurst out of Michigan was the guy that I liked in the draft process. Went mm-hmm. extremely late in the draft and has actually been performing very well. Yes, the fifth round has been performing very well. I mean, you don't see him because he's kind of floating in a, a sea of sewage, I would say, right now in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, he has a 71.9 defensive grade this year. His run defense is over a 70. His pass rush is decent. I mean, he's a guy that obviously had a heart condition, but he's played pretty well. They also have Jonathan Hankins, another guy that we kind of advocated coming in to the Chargers for some depth. He has played pretty well, been an above-average player for them so far, mostly in the run defense. They don't get pass rush. I mean, none of their edge defenders, guys, on this team have more than a 59 pass rush grade on the season. Terrible. Ugh. That's, I mean, that that's hard to look at almost because that's really, really bad. Uh, and the, even their highest interior pass rusher is uh, is Jonathan Hankins or is Mo Hurst with a 65. So that's the creme de la creme for that defensive line, John. So I think you need to get the ball on the outside like you've been so good with, like Melvin Gordon scored a touchdown with. Get to these corners and these very bad linebackers. Make that your bread and butter against this run defense. Don't try to just force the ball in between the tackles. Get the ball on the outside. Get your athletic linemen on the move and blocking people in space. And let Melvin, you know, let Melvin Gordon get a head start and a running start to hit that hole and get upfield. Well, plus, you can also use the wide receivers in this. When you use the jet sweep, you can use Austin Eckler, you can use Keenan Allen. You could use Tyrell Williams. Do not use Travis Benjamin because he will just try to avoid contact and get a one-yard loss like he's done the last couple of times he's ran that play. But if you run to the outsides, you will wear down the linebacker just like you did against Seattle. And you saw how well it worked when they were using Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen to run the jet sweep. And when you're using Melvin Gordon to even run to the outside, those guys were getting tired. They are having a hard time keeping up. It was not until the second half when – they were rested, and we started doing things that weren't necessarily smart that they started catching back up with us. But the more we ran that ball outside in the first half against the Seahawks, it was wearing them out, and it worked. You do that against the Raiders, it's going to do the same thing. It'd probably be a little bit more effective because, mm-hmm. let's just face it, the only two guys on here that could probably exist on a Seahawks roster would be Hankins and Hurst. You're probably right. I mean, you go up from you know, playing against – the fourth-rated scoring defense in the NFL and a top-five yards-per-game defense in the NFL to go up against this tragic Oakland defense and a one-win team. So I think a lot of mouths will be fed in this game. Keenan Allen had eight for 90 in the first game, so he was just there all day long. So I think that'll be huge. And I love what you're talking about with the misdirection of the jet sweeps, especially for a bad defense when you create that kind of movement along the offense along the offense, it really can confuse and get people out of position. And I think you've seen a lot of Raiders defenders out of position. So I think that is, is a great call in this because, I mean, that's just what your offense is. I mean, and I hope they do get Austin Eckler more involved because he's going to be a piece, David, that they're going to have to rely on the rest of the season as well. 
Well, yeah. I mean, you want to keep Melvin Gordon fresh. You want to keep that balance and that dynamic going with their skill sets. Austin Eckler is great in space, has really good left to right wiggle, uh, and has you know has some good wheels too. Melvin Gordon is that every down slasher, bruising type running back who's got good speed and is good in the open field as well. And uh, I like when they're on the field at the same time, but they need to work together to keep each other fresh so we can keep this running game revving up to the playoffs. And I would like to mention, when we first played the Raiders, we didn't have our whole offensive line, which now we do. And when you're going up against the Raiders, rushing defense has ranked 32nd in the league and gives up the 31st most points in the league at 31.5. There's no way you are going to just not run the ball all the different ways you can and not be successful. Jet Sweep, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon. I think you can even run between the guard and tackle and still be effective if you just don't run it between the guard and center because then you don't have to deal with both defensive tackles at the same time. I like what you mentioned about the offensive line, too, because not only are all the members of the offensive line playing, but they're playing really well together, and they seem to be really gelling, and uh, that couldn't happen at a better time going into this last second half of the season, Daniel. Coming up in a pivotal you know, three-game stretch here where the Chargers have a really good shot of being 9-2, and two, you know, going into the tougher part of their season. So I think that's, I mean, huge. It looks like Sam Tevy has beaten out Joe Barksdale for that right tackle spot. They seem to be going with, hey, you know, this line, the way it is constituted right now, has the chemistry. We've won five games in a row. Why are we going to change it? That seems to be the, the thought process behind that right now, and especially with Forrest Lamp. Hey, we might not see Forrest Lamp at all this year, guys. I mean, that's a kind of a, a something we have to probably come to terms with. I mean, obviously, non-injury related, I should say. But that's going to wrap things up for today's show. It is Thursday, so that means we will be having one more show for you guys this week on our Friday show. Tomorrow, we're, we're going to get into our bold predictions and some more thoughts that we have on this game going into the weekend. So make sure to check in with us then. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and our Facebook page, LockedOnChargers, so you guys can get all the newest episodes. And also subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. And that will just automatically download to your phone when it comes up. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We will be back with you guys tomorrow. Take it easy and go Bolts.